This week on The Short Game, we're talking about Towerfall Ascension. And before we begin, we've got some good news for those of you who might own PlayStation 4s. We recorded this episode before the announcement, but Towerfall Ascension is one of July 2014's free games on PlayStation Plus. If you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber and you own a PS4, what are you waiting for? Go download this game immediately. Enjoy the episode. Short Game. This is a show about fitting games into your life. Games of all kinds, but today we are talking about Towerfall. Probably my favorite multiplayer game I've played in years. Absolutely. Uh, it's awesome, and we're going to get to talking about it soon. I'm your host, Reagan Kelly, and uh, I am joined this week, as always, by my co-host, Nate Heininger. Hey, guys. Hey, Nate. Hey. How's it going, Nate? Good. Uh... Fresh off of a extreme Towerfall binge that um, was both hilarious, frustrating, and a ton of fun. It was a ton of oh fun. Oh my goodness. I played a little yeah, bit. Yeah, this is Nate. Shane here. I can't wait to talk about this game. Awesome. Of course, uh, I am joined by my excellent bro host and real life twin brother, Shane Kelly. How are you doing, Shane? I am so good. Uh, the heat is on, guys. It's the summertime outside in Texas here. It's pretty uh, nasty. Uh, the rainy season has begun, but that just is all the more reason to stay inside and play Towerfall. I didn't know it rained in Texas. I thought it was just like a barren wasteland where uh, with cactus. I'm right on the Gulf Coast, dude. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yes, um, but think about this: floating scorpions. Ooh, wet scorpions. They hate me. Yeah, mm. they're matter when they're wet. Yeah, I I think that's most things. It's been a big week for me. I'm uh, in the process of moving. Um, some of you who don't know me well in real life uh, may not may not know that I am in the process of moving from St. Louis to California. So uh, I know I'm saying goodbye to uh, my co-host Nate and hello to the sunny Bay Area. And uh, Shane is flying out tomorrow to help me move. That's so right. Thanks a lot for that, Shane. I'm sorry you won't actually get that much of a better weather than your getting out in texas it's 90 degrees here it's pretty humid although not not houston humid but it's it's pretty darn humid uh, and it's been raining a lot so yeah it's kind of a lame yeah. visit but then we'll be driving through the mountains so that'll be cool this might be my last time in st louis ever ever you're always welcome to come and visit me you guys but that uh, it's st louis yeah Let's Reagan. Let's go and visit Nate. <laughs> I think that would be great, actually. He said we can. Well, no, honestly, if we're all going to get together, I wouldn't want to do it in St. Louis. I would want to do it in Vegas. Ooh, so oh, flights are cheaper. Why? <laughs> flights, flights are cheap. We could all meet up there for you know little money, and uh, we could go to one of these uh, casinos that has the dollar stakes after midnight or whatever. Mm, you know where else is cheap to fly stakes. to? Where's that? Colorado. <laughs> Colorado yeah. is cheap to fly to. Is it really? Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, the planes don't have Especially to land as much because it's up in the mountains. So oh, that's true. Yeah, you know, less they don't jet have to fuel. Go. Not not yeah. as much descent. Exactly. So that makes sense to me. I don't know anything about fuel costs, but that makes sense to me. Well, it's been a busy week. I've been living out of cardboard boxes and spending all of my time putting things into and taking things out of cardboard boxes. But I have had some time uh, to, you know, check things out on the Internet like you do. And uh, two things have been really occupying uh, my interest, apart from Towerfall. Uh, have you guys been enjoying this year's Steam sale? Yeah, I've made uh, I've made a few purchases. Less so than I did last year's, but uh, I think this is going to be a... They, they always save some of the best for last. Well, it's only still just getting started. Yeah, for our listeners, we are recording this on the 23rd and so you are probably already looking back on this steam sale with uh with either joy or with wallet bursting sadness but uh there have been some really great deals our favorite favorite game ftl was on sale um really great deal on that gone home episode of our first excuse me topic of our first episode was on sale another great deal there and there have been a ton of Rogue other games. legacy on sale oh yeah yeah uh, I purchased uh, Tomb Raider for five dollars. Uh, topic of maybe a future Killer episode. Killer deal! I love that game, and I've yeah. just picked up um, Assassin's Creed Four, which is not at all a short game. But I've decided to approach it as if it were one. I am trying to get only far enough that I can really get a lot out of the ship to ship combat. That's really the reason I bought a ticket to that game, and I'm not worried if I don't finish the plot. I just want to get on a shooty floaty ship and float around shooting things. <laughs> Yeah, Reagan came over uh, the other night for a night of Towerfall and board games and watched Molly play Assassin's Creed 4 for a maybe total of three to five minutes and was like, all right, I'm going to buy this game. And yep. I think it was like 12 hours later. He's like, Steam sale. I own it. <laughs> yep. It was on a daily deal. It hasn't actually come. Excuse me. It was on a, a flash sale. It hasn't even come up as a daily deal yet. It was 50% off. I feel like that was... Uh, Probably as low as it'll go. We'll see. Yeah, you're probably not going to get much better than that. The flash sales, I know everybody says like the general rule of Steam sales is wait until the last you know day because they'll do all the sales back unless it's a flash sale. If it's mm -hmm. a flash sale and you want it, go for it. Yeah, these things are murder to me. Um, deals just, you know, uh, I, I see something go on sale that I would never consider playing if it were not on sale, and then I buy it. Yeah. Who and doesn't I love a sale? It. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. We bought uh, Papers, Please, which is a game. Oh that yeah, I just picked that up too. Yeah. yeah. What What do you think of it so far? Have you checked it out? Molly played it for about a half hour, forty five minutes the other night, and that's the extent that we've, you know, gotten into it so far. But it's really interesting. It's uh, it's sad, and it's it's a lot of like analyzing stuff. So it's a really kind of slow game. But like almost immediately, uh, the our entire family was sick and we were broke and we were turning down immigrants left and right. Yeah, I thought that was and fascinating. You have to manage the finances of your family and you have to make decisions based on like, well, my mother-in-law is angry with me. <laughs> yeah, well, the first, you know, we made like $10 on a day. And a lot of it went to food and then it's like $5 for medicine and your wife, your, I think it's, yeah, it's like grandma or some other relative and your child are all sick and it's $5 for medicine. So you could only afford one 
you know, one person's medicine on that day. And it's like, I haven't made it far enough into the game to know whether people die like quickly or not, but it did feel like right away, like, oh crap, I gotta decide which family member to give the medicine to. It's like Stalinist Oregon Trail. It is like Stalinist Oregon Trail. That that's a really Yeah, I don't know if I can play this game, guys. (laughs) This sounds pretty depressing. I'm gonna go back and play more uh something cheerful like Minecraft. Yeah, well and the soundtrack is like perfect Um, Mm, it's very yeah i'm looking forward to playing it a little bit more or not i don't know i might just be sad Well, I'm going to at least try and get through it. It looks really neat. Yeah. I've been keeping an eye on some other stuff as well. Um, outside of Steam sales, uh, Kickstarter has started being interesting again. And uh, in particular, I've been keeping an eye on a Kickstarter for a game called uh, Sunset. Have you guys seen that Kickstarter campaign? Uh, no. I honestly, I don't I don't keep up too much with the Kickstarter stuff. I know that I should because there's some really cool video games and board games that come from Kickstarter. I just... It's not something that I look into very often unless a particular one is like presented to me by someone else. Yeah, I'll be honest. I've mostly picked them up from other gaming news sources like game blogs and things because I don't tend to just go yeah. on Kickstarter and browse. But this one, I feel really like it's a dangerous eye. thing to uh, to just sort of see something on Kickstarter and say, oh, I want that to exist and just throw money at it. Uh, you'll wind up with a lot of stuff that's disappointing. I have a iPhone stand that I purchased on Kickstarter that took a year to get to me. And when I got it, it just kind of kind of shitty. Doesn't really hold up my iPhone. (laughs) (laughs) That sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, this Uh, game sunset that I saw on Kickstarter, I was particularly interested in because their comparisons for the game were gone home and dear Esther. And you know how much I really, really liked gone home. Um, Basically the story of the game is that it, it tells the story of a housekeeper in the home of a revolutionary in a South American country in the 1960s. So your player character is the housekeeper of the sort of guy that you would make a first-person shooty McShooty Man game about. Ah, the popular genre, shooty McShooty Man. I guess I'm waiting for shooty McShooty Man 2, but this will do in the meanwhile. Yep. And the entire game takes place in one apartment, It's called Sunset because every day at sunset, you come to his apartment and you clean things up. And the idea is that as you uh, go through each day, each game day, uh, and you clean up his house and you tidy up his things, you are kind of in a gone home-ish kind of way interacting with his belongings and even doing things like leaving him notes or, you know, you never as far as I can tell, interact with him directly. You're interacting with him entirely through cleaning up and tidying up his house. But the um, uh, but through that, you are subtly affecting the world in which you live. You're you know you're aff- affecting the war that's ongoing around you just by interacting with this revolutionary through his you know sort of domestic affairs i thought that it sounded like a really interesting kind of reversal or play on the typical first person shooter 
story. Um, they, they say even the small things that you do can affect the war that's going on around you. And it just sounds like a really interesting kind of way to approach that. Sounds like gone home with a little more interactivity because you're actually having an effect on, on the, uh, on the game world. Yeah. And I think that's, that's like a bird's eye view of a much bigger story. Mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's coming out in March, 2015. If they're, if they meet their expectations. So I'll be keeping an eye on it. I backed it on Kickstarter and I will, uh, I will update you guys as it comes out. It looks like their top level Kickstarter reward is that they will come to your house and clean it and they will leave you <laughs> mysterious notes. <laughs> I did not see that. That's great. That's pretty awesome. How much do you have to pay for that privilege? $10,000. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> Well, it seems like that yeah, that Kickstarter campaign is is uh, bumping along just fine. I think it's already reached its thirty thousand dollar goal, and there's like almost a month remaining on it. So it seems like one of those Kickstarters that's destined for a you know a large amount of fat loot. Uh, so hopefully that will not derail them. That will uh, encourage them to add even more depth to the game, and I'm excited about it. Yeah, it looks yeah. really neat. I, I kind of am hoping that we see more games like Gone Home, but that have more of a that that bring that kind of storytelling kind of beauty into something that ha reaches a broader audience. So, God, yeah, uh, I, I kind of think it's like, you know, the do people read books anymore? But, you know, nobody has read these books. Nobody, nobody has been super into this genre of gaming. Uh, so I feel like almost like a, curm a curmudgeon of something that never was was big. No, I really hope that we see more games taking a lot of inspiration from Gone Home. And I think it's early days. I think Gone Home was really pioneering in some ways. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people taking a look at that as a possible inspiration or new direction for their indie games mm -hmm. because it's it's not interactive a, fiction, man. Yeah, interactive fiction. But why in haven't a, we a seen style? So Reagan and I, for a long time, have been fans of uh, the text-based interactive fiction genre, which is a very, very small but still sort still living genre of games. And one of these days, we've got to do an episode on things like. Uh, have we ever talked about stuff like Galatea or? We did. We when we had that? the. I think yeah. it was in the Gone Home episode. We talked a little. Okay, bit about it was it. all the way reaching all the way back to Gone Home. But I would love for us to actually do one of those games like uh, Savoir Faire. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that. that right. That would be a fabulous game for us to do if we wanted to talk more about these kinds of games. That yeah. one had had puzzles to it. Yeah. Uh, listeners, if you are interested in checking out some text based adventure games and you're interested in that sort of uh, retro, but still kind of fresh and interesting genre, one really good way to do that uh, is if you have an iOS device, you can download a game called or excuse me, an app called Frotz, F-R-O-T-Z. And it yeah, is a is awesome. interactive fiction player for the iPad and iPhone that does a great job. It has a built-in directory where you can browse. And it comes with, I think, dozens of games pre-installed and ready to go. And the selections they made there are excellent. So it's a great place to start if you are wanting to try oh, out yeah. that style of gameplay. I yeah, think you showed that, in that to me you can... and I... Uh... You showed that to me, and I played a game where I had to find a pig that I lost. Oh, lost oh the pig. lost pig game is so good. Yeah, chase the pig. You're around. an orc. 
That was a cool yep. game. So, I think it's inevitable that games are going to follow in the footsteps of Gone Home. It was a huge success, and even if people don't didn't even really like it, enough people saw how well it did that other developers are going to be like, we should do what they did because that yeah. had a lot of success. It was controversial, but I think that by and large, everyone that I've talked to about that game either loved it or didn't get it. Um, I didn't talk to a lot of people who felt like, oh, this game sucked. But it, it was divisive. It, you know, it, 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 there were a lot of people on both sides. But hopefully yeah, it just more. depends on what you're looking for or what you your expectations are going in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know, Reagan, um, you told me about the upcoming stuff from Versu with Emily Short. I'm excited about that in terms of these storytelling-based games. Yeah, sadly, I haven't had time to actually get into that yet, but it's on my iPad. I'm going to be checking that out soon. Hopefully, I'll have a chance to talk to you guys about it. Oh, yeah. So speaking of iPad games... Um, I'm super excited about an updated version of something that we've talked about being not at all a short game, Civilization. Well, there's a version of Civilization that I've loved for a long time on everything from the Nintendo DS to the iPhone to the PlayStation 3 uh, called Civilization Revolution. It's kind of a stripped down... Yeah, I played a little bit of that. ...sped up version of Civ... And yeah, I've played Civ those. Rev 2 has just been announced for iOS and Android. And it should be out quite soon. It's coming out next month. Um, and honestly, I don't know all the details about it, except that it's going to be, um, you know, full-on 3D graphics. And it's going it, to, from the screenshots, everything about it looks good, except for kind of um, the... Uh, Lead the the uh, country leaders look a little bit uh, uncanny valley to me, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, they always did. God, yeah, Gandhi in so, uh, in Civ Five looks kind of creepy. Yeah, but uh, Winston Churchill in particular in these screenshots just looks like a looks like he's made of melting silly putty. Gross. But um, Civilization Revolution is not the kind of it is the kind of game I think we could feature as a short game certainly in comparison to full on civilization which can take you know 10 hours just to finish a single match uh this is a game that especially on mobile is really fun really easy to play and if you are kind of jonesing for that kind of board gamey uh turn based world building game it's really really fun so i'm i'm definitely yeah. gonna play that when it comes out i was really excited about civilization uh revolution on the iphone the first one because you know able to play civilization against friends but i was pretty much unable to find anybody that would play against me because <laughs> it's still i mean even though it's a shortened version of civilization it's still a lot of turns and since each turn is like especially at the beginning of the game not very much you know the the nature of the asynchronous game it's like you do your turn it's you moved your uh worker one tile to the left and then you have to wait maybe six to you know 24 to just never hours (laughs) uh before they move their worker over yeah so 
Civilization, the whole series, every incarnation of it, has always been one of my favorite games of all time. So if you guys want to uh, play that with me and can commit to it, to the uh, whatever the Civ Rev 2 is, I would be all about that. But that's I'm my in. only concern with those games. I am in. Let's give it a try. Maybe we'll devote a whole evening to it, and we'll try to keep those asynchronous turns short, and we'll just make it happen. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, are we ready to talk about Towerfall? From you, Reagan. Um, yeah, me where too. Where did you find out about this game? Ah, <laughs> uh, well, um, Towerfall, the original game. So actually, we should say that our topic of Towerfall tonight, Ascension. Yes, our topic of tonight is Towerfall Ascension, which is technically speaking the second Towerfall game. Um, Towerfall was originally and is still the first game, an exclusive for the Ouya, and. Uh, some people might not even be aware what the Ouya is because it's such a small market. You know, the Ouya was that $99 Android-based game console that was launched as a Kickstarter project a couple of years ago. Uh, it's out. It's been out for a little while. Uh, it never really took off, but they had an interesting little developer program. Anyway, we'll talk about that a little more in a second. But long story short, I heard about this game because it was Polygon, my personal favorite gaming website, Polygon, featured this as their game of the year of 2013. And 2013 was a good year for games. I mean, there were a lot of great games in 2013. And Polygon is a bunch of really smart people. And this little Android game that was exclusive to the Ouya, a console that basically, if you read about it on the internet, the most common thing people will say about it is, eh, it's cheap, but there's not that many good games for it, and the controller sucks. <laughs> Ringing endorsement. Yeah, and no one is buying the thing. Uh, but this little game, this $15 Android game for the Ouya, uh, became Polygon's number one game of 2013. That totally blew me away. And so, of course, I wanted to read about the game. Um, they all said, this is the reason to buy an Ouya. I still wasn't convinced to buy an Ouya because, I mean, come on. It's an Ouya. Come on. It's a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Yeah, no, this game is not the kind of game that's going to be a system seller. Mm -mm. I mean... It comes darn close. If I had played it in real life and I had seen even one other, you know, game for the Ouya that I thought I might want to buy, um, I probably would have done it. But yeah, I'm glad that I actually managed to get to play this on uh, in its in its current form, the Towerfall Ascension, because that adds a lot of new stuff, especially adding new game modes. It adds the um, the cooperative which is the part of the game that I've managed to play the most of. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, it's it's not necessarily a system seller, but it is almost, for me, a 
purchase two more DualShock 4 controllers seller for me because playing four player was so much fun and I only have two for my PS4 and all I want to do is play this game with four players and it would require me to spend about $150 on, <laughs> on two more controllers and I'm like so tempted to do it well well um i i was also pretty tempted I, we managed to cobble this game together by plugging a laptop into a tv so first off um uh, we'll talk more about the game uh you know structurally and how much fun it is in a bit but uh yeah when we had our game night recently nate and we got four people together to play this game it was the most fun i have had sitting on a couch playing a game with three other people perhaps Ever. I mean, I didn't have an N64, so I never got that, you know, experience. Um, so for me, it was this was a defining multiplayer couch game. Um, it was it blew me away. It had that great Nintendo style multiplayer polish, and it was just great. And if you uh, if you want to play this game that way, all you need is any computer that you can plug into a TV. Honestly, you really want to do this on a TV because uh, this will run on Mac, Windows, or Linux if you buy it through Steam. And it really is great about allowing you to plug in practically any type of controller. You can plug in X input style controllers like Xbox 360 controllers with a USB cord or uh, any you know controller that sort of fakes that like a Logitech. You can plug in direct input controllers. Those would be you know your typical USB controllers. Even it doesn't require a lot of buttons. You can even plug in a USB gamepad from like two decades ago. And you can also use the DualShock 4, the PlayStation uh, 4 controller, which works yeah. beautifully with it and is instantly recognized as a DualShock 4. I'm assuming it'll work with the other DualShock controllers as well. It very well might. I've never tried. Yeah. I've had very good uh, success playing it on my Mac Mini that I always have hooked up to my television as a media center. Uh, I've had success playing it on my iMac, which is booted into Windows. Mm -hmm. I've... I think it's it's the kind of game that in order to be successful, they probably realized it had to be played with a controller. And for something that seems like it's being primarily distributed on computer, they it's it's just a, a good thing that it's fairly flexible in what you can use. Mm -hmm. So let's describe the game and how it plays, you know, what it looks like and how it plays. Yeah, it's it's sort of. In which it has two game modes. Um, it's a arcade style game in which every character, every player is a um, essentially identical archer um, in a sort of a screen sized map that sort of wraps around. You know, if you fall out the bottom, you'll just fall right back in the top. Mm -hmm. And if you're in the standard game mode, uh, you are. Just playing a death match, sort of, you know, everybody starts off with three arrows. And I think that's the critical thing about this game is that everyone starts out with a finite number of arrows. And so that's how you're encouraged to play a little bit tactically. You have to hold back until you know you've got a good shot. Mm -hmm. um, if you're playing in the quest mode, then you and all your friends are going up against a kind of a wave-based, you know, onslaught of bad guys. And every one of the different stages has some sort of quirk or tweak to it. 
uh, special bad guys in the quest mode or special power-ups in the standard mode. And ultimately, you just sort of fight until you die uh, mm-hmm. and then start again. Yeah, and the uh, the thing about the arrows is that since you are in a closed map, they will stick to wherever you shot, even if it's into the body of someone else, and you can go and pick those up. So while Absolutely. it's a finite resource, it is replenishable by grabbing the arrows fired from other people, mm-hmm. uh, which is another key element to it. Arena 2D platform fighting game. So you know we got that. Um, it is, I think, of all the things, it really is a game that wears its influences on its sleeve. It's a lot like, it, visually, it looks like an SNES game. The graphics have that same kind of color palette and the same kind of great uh, distinctive and easily easy to glance at and understand what's happening look of an SNES uh, platformer. But it has the feel a lot to me of a Smash Brothers game, um, particularly some of the earlier ones. Um, I think it has so that really a little high floatier. speed. It's a little floaty, uh, but you really feel in control of your character. Uh, it, it doesn't feel at, ever, at any time like you're working against the controls. The controls, you can pick up a gamepad, see the 30-second you know, flash across the screen that describes what buttons do what, and there are just a few buttons to manage. And uh, you are instantly in the game, and you've got great control over your character. Yeah, it's much like uh, a Mario game where it's just floaty enough where if you jump, you may have just enough time to revert your direction and maybe land in a different position than you initially uh, planned on, but not enough where you are all like, it doesn't feel like there's no gravity or anything. Yeah, this does have sort of great Mario style movement. That's something that I think I'd like to talk about for a second. When you talk about Mario style movement, Mario games have... For their entire life, like when you pick up a Mario game and you hit jump, the very first time you're playing that game, I feel like you have intuitively an understanding of how high you're going to move, you know, how long you need to hold the button to get the you know maximum jump. Uh, it's something that Mario figured out right off the bat. And there were uh, tons of games out at that time that played in a similar way. But Mario figured out exactly what, it, you know, I don't know whether it's that Mario figured out what it really should be. Certainly they did a very good job or just that we all grew up with Mario as the number one platformer and we got used to that. Um, I think it's Mario. Yeah. If someone, because it's been around for so long, if they weren't right, then someone would have done it better by now. And we would all say, oh, this is better than how Mario does it. And I can't think of a platformer where I can honestly say the gravity or the controls are more intuitive than Mario. Yeah, and you you instantly know when a game is doing this the physics even slightly subtly wrong. You know, I played mm-hmm. a game recently that I really liked. It was um, uh, Tesla Grad, a pretty darn good platformer. A lot of really clever concepts. It was a good puzzle platformer, but the jump was off, and I couldn't tell you exactly how, but the jump wasn't quite right. That was another complaint I had about like um, Braid, which is a good game, but. It's just like there's there's a lot of really good platformers out there where the jump is slightly off. And if it's really off, then the game is wrecked. That's one of the reasons I didn't quite like. Um, like Shane, we've played a lot of Trine and Trine is a good game, but its jumps are not Mario jumps. They are just subtly <laughs> off. And it's it throws the game off for me. And you know what's hilarious is that these quote unquote perfect Mario jumps that we're talking about, it's like you can jump like 
three times your height. And so that's quote unquote <laughs> perfect. I know. Like, it's, I don't know. It defies physics, but it has its own perfect physics. Yeah. And it's not a game. The, the way it seems to me is it's you're not fighting the physics. And that's what's perfect about it. And that is also what's perfect about Towerfall. Towerfall has physics that feel great. And the same goes the, the jump arcs and the jump physics are perfect. But the arrow physics are also oh. exquisite. This is probably the key aspect of what makes this game pick up and playable. And that I do believe you can get good at this game. I do. But I think that there will always be like, I think anybody can pick up this game and be competitive, mostly because of how the arrows work. Yeah, it's got an incredibly shallow learning curve where anybody can pick up this game and feel like they're going to be able to stand up to their three friends who are coming after them uh, without feeling like they're being beat up on. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, the physics, the incredibly intuitive controls. Um, but also there's a lot of things about the way the game is designed that make it just natural and dead on perfect. And the yeah. arrows are a big part of that because when you shoot an arrow, you're shooting it in one of eight directions. You don't need it, you know, don't have a gated joystick, but you, you know, when you shoot that arrow, it's going precisely in one of eight directions. But if you shoot it in the general direction of somebody, it has a slight homing. So if you shoot a little too high or a little too low, it'll probably still sort of bend and curve and hit them as long as you're firing it in generally the right direction. And that just makes it easy to pull off really cool shots without having to feel like you have to become some sort of cyborg. Yeah, but it also means you have to really run from those arrows. <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Like, the, the the most enjoyable part about this game, and you know it's a success, is when every almost every time you die, you're laughing. <laughs> you, you're very rarely, yeah. at least, I mean, obviously that's going to depend a little bit on the group and all that, but, man, some of the, like, the way the arrow will bend just right as you're falling and the death animations are hilarious because you just generally just get pinned by the arrow up against the wall or smashed down into the ground by the arrow. And just the slight turn where you think you're going to avoid it, you're like, I got this, and it, the arrow drops just, you know, just a little bit and pegs your guy right in the face, pinning him against the wall. It's so funny. And when you die, you're laughing. And when you pull off that shot, you're like, was anybody watching? That was phenomenal. <laughs> and everybody on both sides of it are having a great time. Like, I can't believe, you know, when you tell me that we're going to talk about a 2D, you know, arena battle game, I just sit here thinking, like, what is there to talk about? And then we played this game for, like, you know, within the first, like, hour. I was like, this is one of the most carefully designed games that I think I've ever really played. It takes a format that is eh, not uncommon, but, um, you know, we've seen enough of them and just like everything about it is perfect and kind of masters it where everybody's having fun the entire time. I think it's impossible not to have fun while playing. It is impossible not to have fun. The pace never dips. Everybody is always moving to avoid arrows, to pick up fallen arrows and grab them. Or uh, another way to kill that we haven't talked about. This game is all about instant deaths and head stomps. Head stomps. An arrow will kill you, but a head stomp, you know, oh, somebody man. jumping down on top of you Mario style, will also yeah. kill you just as dead. And sometimes and that's an easier <laughs> way to go. There's nothing more rewarding. Like a great arrow is fun, 
but if you can get a really good head stomp on someone, oh man, it feels great. And we were, oh, yeah. I played some two uh, two player one on one the other night, and if you can pull off a head stomp <laughs> while playing one on one, oh man, it like the other person feels terrible. It's incredible. And the you know if you can pull it off, it, it's it's so it's much great. Fun. And when you're, great. you're you can end up in a lot of situations where there's a lot of standoffs. You're you're right next to somebody and. Uh, Neither of you has any arrows, and so somebody's got to jump on the other, and neither of you can jump because it's going to put you at a disadvantage. It's just full of these great little moments of, like, tiny little twitch movements to try to get a slight advantage on somebody, and then suddenly, ah, damn it, they got me. It's Yeah, uh, and you're just laughing the so whole time. It's... were you guys saving the gif, uh, gifts of your, your victories and defeats? Oh, yes, we were. Yeah, we, it took us yeah, a while to... Yeah, one of my to... favorite things about the game yeah. is... It's something I've never seen in a game before. Is it not only does it have an instant replay feature when you've just, you know, trounced all of your So opponents. great for this game because so often that last kill of the game is the most amazing one. Some kind of great trick shot or mm-hmm. killer yeah, and it's not or like, a quick uh, reversal. It's not like Modern Warfare or whatever where you like watch it and you're like, all right, just like you can turn it off and you get through it. Like, Cut to the chase. This, yeah, with this like. You're like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, everybody watches it. The kills happen like, so quickly oh, that you almost that awesome. need the instant replay to be able to tell what just happened to me. How did I just die? Yeah, it's awesome. And every, it's it's fun to, even if you're the one who got killed or you weren't even involved in the kill, it's fun to watch the instant replay because it's like just slow enough to get to see what oh, yeah. happened. And then you can save them. And then save them as animated GIFs into a folder on your computer. So smart. Yeah. Uh, it we didn't realize that until kind of later uh, while we were playing. I and saved we a few. Saving. We'll definitely put some up yeah. in the show notes. I'll try to put our best moments up. Yeah, and we figured it out while I was having a very good run. So if you see a little orange guy uh, getting a lot of kills, that's me. I want to make <laughs> sure. I want to make sure everybody's aware. I think that's the greatest sort of internet aware modern feature for a game like this. What a brainwave that Matt actually got. I don't have his last name here. The game is made eh, by Matt, Matt. Makes Games, uh, which is the uh, the studio of this one guy who made this game. He is one guy. It's not a not a studio or a big name company. And this is the kind of game that could only come from an indie, and maybe only from just one guy. It's it's too simple for a, you know if it if you know if uh, Ubisoft tried to make this game, they would wreck it because they would be adding too much. It would just there'd be too many hands. On the tiller, but this is a game where Matt, whoever you are, Matt, we salute you. He put his heart and soul and genius into this game, and it is a clear win by one man. This is a great game. Yeah, uh, I don't know how much I can talk about how much I loved this game. I'm like Super <laughs> Super Smash Brothers is one of my favorite games of all time, so I'm already biased towards the you know all everybody sitting in one room fighting each other games but this has immediately vaulted like right up there with that game and i've only probably played uh maybe at this point eight hours of it because i played and i know shane kind of brought it up earlier i did play through the entire uh co-op mode as well oh, and really? that's actually Good. that's actually the bulk at this point of the because it took a long time it's hard um, it is but uh i uh ton of fun though. and the enemies it's, are so fun my first love of video games came from in-room multiplayer games oh yeah and it's always been 
like my favorite thing about video games and it's so rare to actually be able to pull couch that off. co-op they call yeah. it now sometimes and especially with couch the modern, versus you know like hey let's play a game together all right you log in and i'll log in and then we'll play together and it'll be fun and then 45 it's minutes like, later we found a server and yeah exactly and and mm-hmm. don't get me wrong that can be fun i've done that with battlefield mm-hmm. and and that's kind of cool to a degree but sitting in the same room playing directly against someone i really like co-op don't get me wrong but like direct combat or like mario yes. kart i'm a fan of the oh, mario, mario party kart. like mario party games i uh-huh. love any game absolutely man yeah. i i got a chance to play the new mario kart uh just uh over the last couple of days because a friend of mine bought the uh the new wii u and i basically am convinced man i i love these kinds of games and i feel like this is a side note, but the Wii, Wii U is going to be a good system for this kind of game. Yeah, and that's uh, I've got a lot of expenses going on in in real life at the moment. But once that all kind of you know levels out, uh, get your shit together, man. It's just money. Yeah, exactly. I also am moving to a degree in a lot of purchases and whatnot. So once that's all done, I'm buying a Wii U. Oh like, man, immediately. this game would be amazing on the Wii U. I think probably Sony has it locked up right now as some kind of an exclusive, but this game, like, this would feel it so make right it to everything eventually, on, right? on the Wii. They need to get on that. So I have some I have some tips that I wanted to kind of discuss with oh, you. Oh, yeah, let's talk some about things how that we I was play. thinking about. Um, so my first thing that I took me a while to realize about the game uh, when playing versus or when playing uh, the cooperative is really how to use the wrapping level. Like if you focus too much on how you're going to get around the level or like climbing, especially like if you're climbing, you're going to die. You need to be falling all the time. Yeah, that was something that uh, I figured out as well. One of the last stages is really difficult, but there's a hole in the bottom that's just a little bit blocked by a platform. And so you can mm-hmm. fall through it, basically dodge the platform, hit the ground, and it's like a, just a slight step to the left to fall back through it. And so the entire round, I was almost, I was falling virtually the entire time. And so that always, I think the core of it is always try to have the high ground. And always try to be moving. Yeah. It reminds yeah. me in that way a little bit of Joust because uh, Joust Definitely. was another yeah. game where you had that kind of level design where the top opens up to the bottom, the side opens up to the side, and your incentive there is to well, always side be side, moving. Yes, but not not. To, to oh, that's true. That Joust. I guess Joust yeah, did. There was really lava down there, man. There's lava. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought Atari, up Joust. Uh, um, Asteroids. Oh yeah. You know what? This game actually has a lot in common with Joust. I think it does. Yeah. Especially in the co-op co-op version, the head stomping. Oh, yeah. I'm glad mm-hmm. you brought up Joust. Joust is. Probably my favorite uh, game from that era. Mm-hmm. I've had so much fun playing Joust. Uh, at, you know, there's a lot of barcades yeah. that have kind of popped up over the years. And anyone that has Joust, I'm. Oh yeah, playing if you it. got Joust down there. Another game this related back to for me was the SNES version of Bomberman, because that was another game with yeah. amazing four-player, you know, uh, player versus player uh, arena style. Uh, you know, try to kill your three friends kind of combat. Yeah. Uh, similar graphic style, not really. I mean, you know, this is much more elegant than that. That was kind of clunky looking, but it, it had that feel for me of that amazing, uh, it's just a game designed to create 
hilarious moments of death. Yeah, I haven't thought about uh, Bomber. Actually, I did think a little bit about Bomberman with the way about how there's bomb arrows mm-hmm. and they burst out in like yeah. perfect little squares. And that reminded me to a degree about Bomberman. Um, and that game was one of my favorite. There was Bomberman 64, which I know you said you didn't have a Nintendo 64. Sad but true. Um, I played a lot of Bomberman 64. And I was a big fan of Bomberman. I haven't played that in like 10 years, though, oh, probably. Man. I don't remember what version we actually had because um, I mentioned the SNES version, but I think what we actually had was the PlayStation version, which was pretty much a port of the SNES version. Um, But yeah, tons of versions of that game. You can play it on anything, and it's still fantastic today if you can get four people playing Bomberman. Yeah, that game is also has that really funny, like when you die, you're like, God damn you like i got trapped i was and in that way it's worse because you usually have a few seconds to contemplate what you you did wrong you know it's coming before you (laughs) get exploded so great so uh, a few other tips i've i I just wanted to share with you guys from this game Mm because i've spent a just ridiculous amount of time playing it and i'm sure you have as well uh the ability to super jump i didn't really realize until a good while in like that you could actually do sort of a dodge and then a jump and you get a big jump. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, it's a really I good way to move that. around. I'm not actually sure I figured that out. I've done yeah. the opposite, which was you jump and then you use the dash to jump a little further. But I'm mm-hmm. not done. Yeah, we, actually that haven't, too. we haven't talked about the dash at all. We haven't. That's, That's a pretty... the biggest thing to master for this game, I think, yeah. because the dash is so useful in multiple ways. So you have a trigger button on your controller that'll let you have a sort of a burst of speed when you jump and you can direct that in any direction. So you can add a little bit of height to your jump. Uh, You can jump and then dash to the side to make it onto a hard to reach platform. But the biggest thing that you can use it for is to catch arrows because when you're dodging um, arrows that are fired at you, don't kill you. You catch them and you add them to your inventory and you can fire them right back. Yeah, you can shoot them right back. Um, so it's a huge, mastering that is a huge advantage in this game. Yeah, so if you're facing off with an opponent with one arrow, bring it on. If they shoot it right at you, you can dodge, catch the arrow, and follow it, fire it right back at them. But if the dodge has a little bit of a cooldown, it's not a long cooldown, but it's enough. So if that person has two arrows, you might catch the first one, but they're probably hitting you with the second one. Yeah, because you can spray arrows. You can if you have if you have more than if you have three or more arrows and you get the jump on someone, it's almost impossible for that person to survive because as fast as you can hit that fire button, it's just going to like fling it almost immediately. All three of them back to back. And with the little homing aspect to it, you can drop on someone and just, you know, pin them (laughs) against the wall. It's. The Very biggest satisfying. strategy that you can come up with based on, or that I c- I've come up with based on that, is just sort of timing your shots to kind of do a double tap. So if if the person you're up against has figured out the dodge, you know, good on them. Uh, but it makes them much much harder to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they have, you have to hit them with. That was my phone. Sorry, guys. <laughs> If they figured out the dodge, you've got to double tap them. You've got to hit them with one arrow, and they're going to catch it. And you have to give a little bit of a pause, and then hit them with a second arrow, so that you can hit them during that cooldown. Because if somebody's really good at the dodge, there's no other way to kill them. Mm. Yeah. Uh, 
when we played for that first time as four player, virtually nobody was dodging. And I still, I made it very deep into the single, or we played it co-op, but the campaign mode without dodging. But I did figure out at around, I think there's somewhere around eight to 10 stages total in the campaign mode. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the last few, it was virtually impossible to beat it without mastering the dodge because there would be these bad guys that you would kill. And as soon as you kill them, they would spray arrows. And so uh, in the campaign, you actually are utilizing the bounce. You're popping on their heads way more than you're shooting them with the arrows because there's so many bad guys and you have a finite amount of arrows. So you would bounce off their head and then they would spray arrows and virtually the only way to survive it would be to do this combo of bounce and then dodge and was this these guys with the lightning arrows yeah it was the floating yeah. diamond kind of thing yes. I still have not and managed see, to those kill are a my favorite one of them. because when once you once you master that dodge those guys are so exciting to see on the screen because they fire those lightning arrows off at you and the thing about those lightning arrows is that they have the the seeking kind of the the homing element of the arrows turned up to eleven, and so when you shoot off those lightning arrows that you steal from the weird diamond guys, mm-hmm. those things can kill anything on the screen, and they can kill multiple things on a screen around a corner. So those are the most fun things to find in the game. Yeah. Speaking but of power ups, there the are a ton of awesome power ups in this game. Oh, and yeah. they really sprinkle them into your games randomly. So when you're playing the uh, the four player versus mode, uh, you know, little power ups will show up from time to time and they kind of get sprinkled in randomly and suddenly something will pop up that you've never seen before and it changes things yeah. really dramatically. It's kind of like the items in Super Smash Brothers a lot where like it's that. like and you can turn them, the variants, you can turn them up, you can turn them down. At the basic settings, they're just enough to affect the game, but not enough to make it where whoever got them is going to, like, for sure win. Yeah, absolutely. Because they also kind of make you a target to degree mm-hmm. to a degree because there's, like, the wings. And if somebody has the wings, they can virtually, you know, guarantee the high ground. But everybody sees this guy <laughs> flapping around the top of the map, and it be- immediately becomes a target. So they're a lot of fun, but they they don't sway the game. Yeah, that much. would be my main tip for the versus mode. Uh, we already talked about you know the dash, which is probably the biggest game changer once you get your hands on that. But the main thing for me is don't focus on getting power ups. You know, I feel like that was the opposite in. Um, in Smash Brothers, you know, it's mad dashes sometimes for those items, but you actually probably want to focus more on kills than on getting power-ups. There's yeah, different game only... modes, but most of the time in this, you're probably going to be playing in the headhunter mode, which is where the person who kill, who has the most kills, not the last man standing, wins the round. And so your your goal is to try to take those easy pot shots and get your kill number up to two or three. Yeah, the only power up that may be worth going for now you don't want to like die trying to get it because that would be uh, but you will you know but you will (laughs) is the uh is the shield only because the shield is essentially an extra life because it only takes one hit to kill you and if you had the shield that absorbs one hit so in a way it's like an extra life and i think it's that's a really good one to go for but again you're a big glowing ball when you have the shield on so this game is a local only multiplayer game and that's something that we didn't really address right at the start um this is a game that does not have an online component 
That makes me sad. I, I really wish it did. Me too. I, I'm so torn about this because on the one hand, I super respect their decision because I, I understand do. it. Because this game is so quick and it's so much fun to be able to like li- like yell at the yeah. person. A picosecond <laughs> of lag yeah. would ruin yeah. this game would sometimes. Ruin it. And, and you almost need, because it is so fast, like I feel like if you didn't have that ability to like laugh in the face of the person you just killed or laugh as that person kills you, I think it might take away a little bit from the game. Uh, but it is so much fun that I wish that I could play it more often. And without an online ability, you are required to have uh, people that are willing to play with you. Minimum and, of well, actually, you, there is a there is a single player you know mode of this game. Yeah. but it kind of. I mean, it's it's yeah. There's cool. kind of the break the targets thing going yeah, on. Yeah, and you can play uh, the quest another mode game on its mode own. We talked about. But it, honestly, yeah. the game like gets a little old if you're playing single player. It never gets old in multiplayer. Um, so actually, that was something I wanted to ask you guys about because essentially, you know, our, our show topic is fitting games into your life. And can you, you know, as an adult who has, you know, uh, you know, like a job and stuff, fit these kinds of multiplayer only games into your life? How do you make that happen? Well, the good I thing play with about my wife, yeah, there's there's that uh, Molly and I uh, will play games like this together for sure. Like we play a lot of Mercenary Kings. But uh, the good thing about this game is that you can decide exactly how much you want to play with your friends. So while it might be difficult to get a group together, you might have people over for a barbecue and it's like, Hey, let's do some rounds of Towerfall. You're not committing to any long form like Baldur's. Yeah. This is not civilization five, right? I can just say, Hey guys, Hey friends, we're over at my house. I've got this really fun game. Try it for 30 seconds. Yeah. I'd like for us to play together let's do it and if unless they're like adamantly anti-video games or something like that no one is gonna not have fun playing this game and so i think that's what makes it fittable into your schedule is it might be hard to get the group together but when it does you're gonna take no time convincing them to play and no time explaining the game yeah you pick this game up so fast i think that's really a good point because i don't get a lot of chance to play in-person multiplayer games um and this game is one of the few that I think I can fit. It's one of the few that I think I can make work. And it's because if I have somebody there, I can hand them a controller and say, try this for a minute and and you'll be good at it. And we can have a lot of fun playing it. Yeah. And because that learning curve, like there really, there is a skill curve. I'm sure that I could be better than someone, but the game to a degree like Mario Kart actually uh, has some things that it does to hinder the person that's in first. I. Uh, I was, if you are, at least I was two verse two, if you have a more than three kill or a three kill lead or more against someone, that person starts with a shield. And so they get, they kind of, you know, get in at a better footing. It's really, really hard to get a, a, a big dominating lead in this game. And even if you do like the rounds, the, the whole overall rounds are never more than like, what, six kills or something like that yeah well you can set it but like yeah, you can customize it to be any number yeah, that you want it's quite yeah. customizable that's one of the things i really liked well, about it and if you have a, a mode that you've kind of figured out that you really like certain power-ups um you know certain way of playing you can save those like a great fighting game or like some of the smash brothers games you can really get a perfectly custom to you setup that you that you really enjoy 
almost every game we had when we played with four player, uh, and sure we were all new to it, and that might change if we all went home and like practiced. But I mean, there was virtually every game where the the winner came down to maybe one or two kills, and we had several in in a tie. And it was always overtime. close. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. always. Oh, the close. overtime yeah. is so much fun because if you have a four player game and and there's a tie at the end, there's an overtime game for the last two, and it's a it's a one on one duel, and that's such a great fun. I'm so glad that there's no actual ties in this, that they make you fight it out in a one-on-one duel at the end. That's such a great moment. So any other games in this kind of style, this kind of like couch multiplayer that you guys have found fit in for you? I know we talked a little bit about some of the past Mario games and the Smash Brothers games. This game stood out Uh, for me because it's the first game in this sort of gameplay style that I've managed to make work for me in a long time. um, The only other game that uh, I can think of, and this is more like Mercenary Kings, but Castle Crashers, which I know we've talked about a little bit. Oh yeah, we have. Um, In the Steam sale, a, you probably missed yeah. it if you're listening to this. Sorry. That's a co-op game, much like Mercenary Kings, but they do something that's uh, a genius move, and one of my favorite things that this game did entirely is that it's up to four players co-op, and at the end of every level, you all turn on each other, and you have to battle uh, to whoever like wins the prize for that map, so, so cool. You you work together the entire time, and then every time you get to fight each other, and it's really funny because there's like usually ends with a boss, and then once the boss is done, he drops treasure, and you all four fight for the treasure, and so people oh, yeah. start uh, like the boss is about to die, so people start kind of positioning themselves <laughs> in like like a good spot to prepare for the battle for the treasure. It it's a lot of fun, and I can't think of any direct arena fighting games like Towerfall, but really fun four player co ops. Castle Crashers is fantastic. That's true. Co op has been popular lately. There've been a lot of good I've got to call out. Um, I've got to call out a game uh, that is a real throwback, but it is my favorite game to pull out and play with just somebody uh, spur of the moment. And it's a puzzle game. It's a versus puzzle game called Puyo Puyo. Are you? Oh, Puyo Pop Fever. Well, Puyo Pop Fever is a later version of it. Uh, Any of the Puyo games. I'm so addicted to Puyo Pop Fever. It's one of the two games I still play on my Dreamcast. Well, the, the original arcade version of it is called Puyo Puyo. And uh, if you're if you've played it in America, you might have known it as Columns. Um, oh, none of this sounds or, or okay. Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. Oh, yes, that. Yes, I've played a ton oh, of yeah, Dr. Yes. Robotnik's, yeah, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean, Bean Machine. Yeah, Puyo Puyo. Uh, the Mean Bean Machine. OK, so okay. if you can get yeah. a hold of any of in any of these forms. Yeah, uh, you'll really love it. It's a it's it's a puzzle game very much in the same sort of feel as a, you know, a um, it's kind of a match three. Well, no, it's a match four puzzle game. But the pieces uh, don't which, don't stay together. Yeah, similar to a Tetris type game. You know, if you've if you've played Tetris or any of these kind of falling block Dr. puzzles, Doctor Mario, Doctor yeah. Mario. Uh, it's it's pretty similar to Doctor Mario, uh, and it's a versus game. So uh, you know, even if you're playing it single player, you're playing it against the computer. Um, the the point is to fill up the other your opponent's board. 
and so that for me is something that I'm actually really sad about, about this, but my friend used to have a roommate who had one of those multi arcade machine emulator devices, you know, like the, yeah. the cabinet style. Oh yeah. And it had this game on it. And so every time I would go over to their house for any kind of barbecue or party, I would just force two or three of my friends to play me at this, this game. Cause I love it so much. And I never had to really force anybody. It's not, you know, twisting somebody's arm to get them to play Puyo Puyo. But uh, I didn't know the arcade damn, version had game. more than two players. I've never played a version of this that would let you play three or four people. No, no, no. It was it's it's one on one. It's okay, always one on one. Okay, never mind. I um, gosh, that would be cool. There should be a four player version of Puyo. Um, All right, guys, let's quit the podcast and uh, get into game development. Yes, you start. I wish. All right, <laughs> I'll, I'll learn. I don't know. See. Uh, Swift, <laughs> oh, yeah, Apple's Swift, yeah. Okay, we'll learn that Swift. Thing. But bringing it back yeah. to Towerfall, you know, I, I, I think this is the only game. Uh, I think this is the only game of this type that has really worked for me in the last several years, and um, I think it single-handedly justifies having multiple controllers around. I mean, I, I had one gamepad for my PC. And um, this makes me want to have four gamepads for my PC ready to go all the time. Yeah, there is virtually never a reason to have four PlayStation controllers. PlayStation is primarily a single-player console. Mm. I know that, you know, there those games exist, but very rarely is there ever a reason to have four for PlayStation. Uh, two at the most, which is what I have. This game makes me want to buy two more. Uh, just to be able to play Towerfall with as many people as possible. On the Ouya version, um, obviously you would have one Ouya controller, but you could plug in Xbox controllers or PlayStation controllers into the Ouya and it would recognize them. I really wish that, I mean, I know Sony has no incentive whatsoever to do that, but that would be such a great thing for this game so people would be able to scrounge up enough controllers to make this game happen more often. Yeah, that's one of my only... uh you know, things I don't like about the PS4 is that it's not backwards compatible with virtually anything. Cause I was looking at getting some yeah. PS3 controllers simply for Towerfall. Cause it doesn't need any. You can't use the PS3 the- controllers on there? Gosh, that's a bummer. I know. It's a total bummer. And mm-hmm. I would buy, I'd go out and buy two PS3 controllers immediately. I just can't at the moment justify $60 each for two more DualShock controllers. Ouch, that I that's own. a whole game right there. Yeah, exactly. that's awful. And and during the Steam sale, that's like 40 games. Yeah. So. <laughs> Eurogamer made a really great point about this to kind of cap off talking about um, you know fitting these types of games, these four-player, multiplayer, have to sit down together and play against people on your couch types of games. And that is that you know nobody dings great board games for requiring that everybody sit down together at a table. You know, one of the biggest complaints about this game that you'd see online is that this, you know, oh, why doesn't it have, it all have online play? But nobody says, oh, you know, Settlers of Catan, why doesn't it have online play? No, that's there's a type of game that is made for being in person with the person that you're playing against. And that's what this game is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I, I think there are a lot of games out there that are great in multiplayer because they draw on that sort of board game tradition. And this game doesn't at all, but it doesn't it, it still just shows that it doesn't uh, you don't have to have something 
where everybody sits around and Mario parties in order for it to be a party game. Yeah. And the rounds are so quick. It's like so easy just to start again. You know, you got beat real hard that last round. Eh, just start over. I'll get them this time. That rematch button shows up every time. So this game is out there now. It's available for several platforms. Obviously, if you want the original version, which I am told, um, you know, by the developer's website, that eventually all of the enhancements and additions that are a part of Towerfall Ascension are being ported back over to the Ouya version. So that is still an option if you want to get this game and you just want, I mean, maybe all you want is a dedicated Towerfall console. You could probably pick up a used Ouya and uh, that's a doable thing. They're not that expensive. Eh, expensive. Used ya. Used ooyah, not expensive, says Reagan <laughs> Kelly. Used ya. Uh, you could probably get one on eBay for 50 bucks. I mean, they're not super expensive. Yeah. It, it, honestly, Nate, it might be cheaper for you to buy a used ooyah than two PS4 controllers. It might be. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at that now. Uh-huh. The, um, the game is uh, also available for Steam, so you can pick it up on Steam for 15 bucks. It's also on the Humble Store. Uh, it's a fairly new Steam game. I haven't seen it go on sale a lot, but uh, if you see this game, even, even at the full $15 price, $15. This game is an insane deal at $15 because you will get so much fun out of this game if you have the chance to play it. Oh, my goodness. It's so true. I paid... 15 bucks for this game, and I've had the chance to play it four-player for basically two hours, and I felt like that was the best two hours of multiplayer. I've, I've also played a lot of the single-player. It's a ton of fun, but this is a great short game that you can get for not much money, and it'll play on Macs, Windows, or Linux, So, and it doesn't require any horsepower at all, so you can throw this onto your you know, six-year-old Dell, and it'll probably run just fine. Could you get one of those junked-up Linux tiny mini computers and some kind of eBay, you know, N64 controller adapter yeah. <laughs> for, for to play Probably. this game. Probably good. Uh, I did find a couple of Ouya's for around the fifty to seventy five dollar used. It's also available for the same price, fifteen, in the PlayStation Now uh, store on PS4. Awesome. Another interesting side note is that this game, uh, in addition to being available in your home, is being played competitively right now. Um, It's not probably on par with the Street Fighters and other competitive fighting games that you would see, but uh, Evo, the fighting game tournament, which is a big popular uh, fighting game tournament that I know very little about because that's not really my scene, um, they have an indie showcase they do every year. Uh, and Towerfall was featured, Towerfall for the Ouya was featured uh, last year in their indie showcase where they had a uh, competitive uh, Towerfall game or tournament happen as a part of their uh, their fighting game tournament. And then this year they're featuring, uh, they're featuring Towerfall Ascension as well, along with some other indie fighting style games that I think if you're interested in this game, you may want to check out. Um, they're featuring Nidhogg. Starwall, and then a whole bunch of other indie games. You know what? This game has a lot in common with Nidhogg, which I downloaded recently. And also Starwall. And Nidhogg is great. I don't I don't know Starwall at all, but uh, Nidhogg, Nidhogg is fabulous. Have you played it? I actually haven't played Nidhogg yet. Tell me about it. Yeah, I have played it. It's, it's, it's a fencing game, and because my wife is a fencer, I downloaded it because I thought I would enjoy, uh, you know, she might enjoy a little bit of fences at, fencing action. Um, basically it is a, um, almost like a tug of war because, you know, it's, there's a mirrored, uh, course that you're fighting on and, uh, the controls are really twitchy and fun. 
there's a lot of guarding and a lot of, you know, thrusts and parries and such as that. Basically, you start off in the middle of the course, and uh, if you kill your opponent, uh, he just reappears right in front of you. So you have to kill him again and again and again <laughs> to fight him all the way back to the end of the course. Uh, and it can go back and forth and back and forth. And if you get all the way to the end, uh, you uh, slay him for the final time and you win the uh, the honor of sacrificing yourself to the strange worm monster named Nidhogg. I could have sworn Nidhogg was the name of a Pokemon. <laughs> it might as well be, uh, because it's basically a big pink worm that eats you at the end of each round. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Sounds like a Pokemon. Starwall is similarly strange. It is a pixel art-oriented uh, game in which every player is a, um, well, a narwhal in space, therefore a starwall, and you swim around and try to spear people with your nose. I haven't played it yet. But uh, it looks like a ton of fun, and it's also a four-player uh, versus. And I think all three of these are games that that don't have online play. Or actually, no, I think Nidhogg added online play recently, but it's uh, it's a kind of game that's too fast-paced for online play to work well. And there've been a lot of a lot of discussion that it's maybe still best as a as a in-person game. So uh, yeah, I think maybe this is a, a scene that's seeing a lot of attention. The in-person indie, simple but slightly innovative fighting game oh yeah I, and i hope it continues to receive just the lavish attention that was paid to it in this yeah. game yeah matt makes games uh whoever you are matt, out keep there, making please games. make us some more oh man such an amazing game so beautifully tuned you know what matt make us towerfall 2 towerfall the the uh dissension or the distension or the uh, acceleration yeah, and all i'll you, buy it i would pay it any would amount just... of money for more towerfall Make it the same game, just more levels, I guess. Yeah, I don't even know what more, you would more levels, more power-ups. That's all we want. I don't want him to I'd change like to anything see more about characters. the basic uh, I mean, one thing that I think is is great about the game in one way is that, you know, the characters are perfectly balanced, but they're perfectly balanced because they're all uh, functionally identical. I, I think it would be really fun to see uh, some ver variety to the characters. That's actually yeah. a good point. Something I liked about the game is that the characters are all visually very distinctive. So you can tell which one is yours in a second. They're all different colors. And also what's interesting is that they all make different sounds and their animations are all subtly different. So um, that serves the purpose of the game in that you're never confused. Well, unless you're truly just confused. You're never really confused about which one of those little dudes is yours. And even the sounds they make, you can tell which person just made that death sound or that jump sound. They do kind of try to confuse you about which little dude is yours later on in the campaign mode where they have uh, guys that, that sort of imitate your look. Some yeah, little, it's uh, really hard on the two player yeah. because they'll spawn two. Like I was green and guy I was playing with was uh, or I was orange and the guy I was playing with was green and a green and orange archer both spawned. <laughs> so I had to be saying I'm in the bottom left. I'm in the bottom left. That's not me. That's not me. You know, stuff like that. Uh, there are unlockable uh, things in this game too. There are a couple maps and there are a couple archers that can be unlocked through a couple of various things. I mean, they're still, it's the characters are all exactly the same, just different colors. Mm -hmm. 
But uh, it seems like he's continuing to iterate on this game, and I hope this is the kind of game that continues to see updates for a while and adds more uh, little. Every little tiny thing I feel like adds something to this game. Every little power up, I I I love every power up in this game. They're all perfectly tuned. But um, if he can continue adding stuff onto it, I will see that as a great benefit. Yeah, stupid brambles. Oh, the bramble arrows! So frustrating and so cool every time all right so i cry every time thanks guys for joining me on this fantastic episode of the short game this is a game that i am really really glad i got a chance to finally play in person because i've had my eye on it since polygon originally did their their article on it and i was beginning to despair that i would never be in a room with four people disposed to playing video games but now that it has finally happened i can honestly say I agree with Polygon. I think that this is the game of the year 2013. Yeah. Uh, Reagan had been bugging me to come over and play this game for months. And every time I'm like, no, Reagan, I got to play all the other games you're telling me to play for these podcasts. Um, and so I'm glad that it finally it finally happened. All right. And um, for the first time ever, this, uh, well, tomorrow, uh, this entire podcast will be in one place. So yeah. if uh, if something horrible happens to uh, to well I won't say the the place where we are all going tomorrow this whole podcast could be wiped out in a single stroke it's the kind of thing they really try to avoid with like the president and the vice president yeah. traveling in different uh, in different cars well hopefully that won't happen to us intrepid listeners and if it does you will have never heard this episode because I won't have the time to edit it so if you're hearing what this, do you we know that survived. I don't Reagan should I be worried well. I'm not letting you leave St. Louis. Yeah, I'm not sure I can say it on uh, on Skype. Either the NSA you. will, you know, pick up on it. Man, that's the second time bad NSA jokes have been made on this podcast. You're right. Yeah. I'll cut it. Reagan never makes bad jokes on the podcast because all his bad jokes get edited out. That's fair. So I will see both of you tomorrow. As, and perhaps we'll have a second to play a tiny round of Towerfall as we, as we are together in one place for perhaps the only time. If we could make that happen, I'd be so excited. You guys are, of course, invited over to my house, which will have a functioning TV. I would be t- so happy. It'll have a functioning TV. Uh, oh. I'm assuming yours will be all torn up. Uh, it may or may not be in a box on its way to California by then. We'll see. Yeah. Worst case scenario, we can go out to a bar and I will bring my laptop and two game pads and you can bring one and we will make this thing happen. I can't wait to play Towerfall against the two of you guys because I'm going to kick your asses. All right. Thanks a lot uh, to you guys both. And also thank you to our listeners for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, We may have a short break following this episode, maybe just a week of gap because of the move. Uh, Or maybe I'll get my shit together and we'll be recording again next week. But uh, we will see you on the other side of my cross-country move. And thanks for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye.